Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Wow. Who's got two thumbs and is Adam Pranica? This guy. <laughs> I just got back from a wedding, Ben. Oh, yeah. You were bracing yourself for this wedding travel. I've been up to Seattle now twice in two weeks. This is a lot of back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. More back and forth than I'm comfortable with, really. You're really burning the airplane at both ends. You are a total wedding man. You go to so many weddings that it <laughs> shocks me. And now, like, I, I feel like it's wedding season, clearly. You get into these summer months, and that's what it is. But it's I summer thought months, I, and it's also pent-up wedding demand. I thought I, I had aged out of yeah. of the weddings, of, that's of one going of the nice to nice things I mean. about being in your 40s is that... There, there are fewer weddings, and when, when there are weddings, it's often second weddings, so people are not pulling as many stops out as they might have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't one of those. This was a first <laughs> wedding. This was a first wedding in so many respects. <laughs> this is for a, a great friend of my wife, who I also happen to like a lot, but like uh, a lot of the choices made... And I don't mind saying this on the show. They don't listen. <laughs> a lot of the choices made seem to be coming from a place of not having been to a wedding before. Like really brave choices. Like number in the wedding party and just a basically a chaotic scene at the DJ booth where people were like plugging in their own phones and playing the music. Yeah, you texted me that, and- that the inmates were running the asylum when it came to how the music was being done at that wedding, and I was amazed. That's like something that you have to take really seriously at a wedding because because it's a tough needle to thread, right? Like right. like the music has to appeal to the like breadth of ages mm-hmm. of the attendees. Like you've got to get grandma up out of her chair, yeah, moving around a little bit, but you right. also have to. You know, the bridesmaids also have to dance around a little bit. When was the last time you went to a wedding and experienced something you had never experienced before or even thought (laughs) you'd ever experienced? Something happened at this wedding, Ben, that blew me away. Boy, Can you still be surprised with all the weddings you go to? (laughs) I mean, I've been to some pretty wild weddings, but I don't think any of them have drawn outside the lines so much, you know. The riot at the DJ booth is happening. I'm using the word DJ booth pretty liberally. (laughs) (laughs) It was a PA system uh, with an aux in, which is fine. Like, that's a very fun way to do a a smaller wedding. This was not a smaller wedding. There was like, (laughs) I want to say 150 people there. Fun dinner. Everyone's having a good time. The drinks are flowing. Open bar. You like to see that. You do. You do. But then uh, there is a, the whatever the digital version of the record scratch is, when <laughs> one of the groomsmen plugs in their phone and some very jaunty music starts playing. It's fun. It's fun. And he gets on the mic. And what happened next was something that the groom, I found out later, had said specifically Never, ever to do. Do not do this. I do not want this. Do not 
do the money dance. Oh, have you ever oh. been to a wedding where there's a money dance? Uh. I have heard tell of the money dance. I, have n- I don't think I've actually witnessed in person. When the bride and the groom are thrust into a money dance that they've said specifically they do not want. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> That's a really awkward situation. I mean, my drink got stronger just from awkwardness. Like it suddenly got Navy strength awkward in the glass. <laughs> Because what you have are a bride and a groom who are displaying all of the outward signs of people trying to look like they're having fun. Like, you know, it's cool face. Like, Mm -hmm. it's cool. It's cool. That's the face that they had during the money dance. And then um, it appeared as though they had gotten word back to the groomsmen about like, hey, cool it with the money dance. This is not something that they wanted. You would think a groomsman would have that info going in. And the bride and the groom, be, having been subjected to this surprise, I've never had more respect for a bride and a groom than I did in that moment. Like, squishing that, those feelings into a, oh, come on, man. You said you weren't going to, but deep down. Yeah. The rage. The rage they felt at being surprised like that on the biggest stage. It is really hard to be graceful in a moment like that. It is. And- I. I, I felt so much empathy and respect for them. And like, we've been to weddings before where the bad toast happens. Yeah, yeah. This I, was like I a went... five-minute bad toast. Woof. <laughs> it was exciting. Yeah. So I guess if there's any advice that we might have to those out there who are entering wedding season with weddings of their own, mm-hmm. open bars are great. If you're not drinking, then that's fine. We don't need them. But if you're going to have a bar, make it open. Make it open. Uh, If the bride and the groom do not desire a certain thing or type of celebration, it's their day. Make it their day. Give them what they want for once. And what else? What's another quality of of a fun wedding, a wedding that you like going to? The thing that is great about a wedding is celebrating love. Yeah. I'm a real softy when people start coming down the aisle and we start getting into the ceremony of something. Can I tell you also- the most powerful move of the evening was done by this guy, by Adam Two Thumbs? <laughs> so another thing I didn't mention was the officiant had never done it before. And you could okay. see the nerves. This could be bad. So bride, bride arrives at the doorway. Five seconds go by. Nothing happens. I get up. <laughs> I started the getup. It was me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Felt great. Yeah, everybody's got to stand up for the bride. That's one of the rules. And that's one of the one of your favorite moments you were saying. Like that uh oh, that's the I grand entrance. I mean, I'm usually not the first person to get up because I'm looking around and I can't see much because my eyes are already full of tears. Yeah. Yeah, limpid pools. But if I I hear some somebody's chair pushing back an inch or two as they stand up out of it. Yeah. That's like Pavlovian for me. I'm up. That sound is usually not great. That's a bad sound in every other context. Yeah. But bride at the threshold, that's right. the only thing you want to hear in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the most beautiful sound in the world <laughs> in that context. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any wedding in the history of weddings has happened without like one awkward five minute chunk in there not at all yeah i mean they've all got them which is why i think if you're in a wedding and you see that happening and you're in that moment 
don't take it so seriously. Like mm-hmm. it's it's fine. And that's yeah. that's maybe the lesson that the bride and groom uh of the wedding that I was at has for all of us. Like like Just with a graceful. Yeah. Bring as much grace as you can bring to bear onto those moments and uh get angry at your groomsmen later. Save the anger. Adam has has it crossed your mind that the drink in your hand was getting more and more strong because you were doing something to it with your mind. I turned wine into stronger wine. Because <laughs> that's a big theme in today's episode of Star Trek colon Voyager. Yeah, it really is. You want to get into season two, episode 10, Cold Fire? Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. I love close-up magic, Ben. <laughs> we get a lot of it this episode. This is a, an episode that begins with a recap of stuff that happened in season one, episode one. And uh, that was 10 months ago in the timeline of the show. I thought this was very interesting, a very unique and unusual recap for Star Trek to do. What stuck out to me was that usually in the last time on, it is an affected computer voice. That we get last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. But Majel Barrett here in her read sounds less like a computer and more like a narrator. Ten months ago, the crew of Voyager was pulled into the Delta Quadrant by an entity known as the Caretaker. And I'm wondering, which do you think it was doing the ten months ago pre-roll read? Oh, I don't know. I wonder if I ever thought it was the computer saying last time on. Whoa, really? Maybe I think it's Loaxana doing those. <laughs> Bill Tilly, I think when this episode comes out, I'd like a poll. Oh. And it's just two options, two answers, two possible answers. It's in last time on, is it computer voice or is it Major Barrett? Roddenberry doing the read. Use the at greatest Trek Twitter account to vote in that poll. It's it's out as of this episode releasing. I feel like you're very convincing. I it makes me question everything about Star Trek <laughs> that I thought I knew. I question hope, everything, Adam. I hope I'm as convincing to you about why I believe it's the computer. I just assume the computer. Hmm. Well, you know what happens when you assume. Yeah. So that was 10 months ago that Banjo Man died and turned into a geode and the Voyager got stranded in the D-Quad because he wasn't alive to send them home. But he told them right at the very end that there was a lady Banjo Man out there somewhere and maybe, maybe she could help. She left hundreds of years ago, but she's out there somewhere. This opening scene makes me think that I wouldn't want to be neighbors or like have my quarters on the same deck as Tuvox. <laughs> Going pretty heavy on the incense here when he goes mm. in on a, the meld with Kess. What they're practicing here isn't something we're seeing them do for the first time. This is a thing that they yeah. have. He's teaching her to control her, what do you even call it? Like, are they psionic abilities? Yeah, her, yeah and, or telepathic and abilities. Her telepathic or abilities, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that the first thing to do with this is go listen to what's going on inside Neelix's brain. That sounds like a horny place to to peek. I was creeped out by the encouragement that Tuvok had in the, you know, once he hears that Kess is hearing all the voices on the ship, he's like, all right, now find one (laughs) and get up in those brains. Don't touch the sideburns. No surprise that the simplest minds are the easiest to hear because she locks (laughs) right in onto Neelix mid haircut, which sounds like a pretty big job. 
Yeah. I wonder if we'll ever meet the Mott of Starship Voyager. Is, is there one person on the ship that is just there to, to cut hair? Because Mott was just there to cut hair. But Voyager is a crew with a lot fewer people. I would like to meet that person. Yeah, I would too. He wants her to engage in this from a very Vulcan point of view. Like, no emotions, no laughing at the things you hear other people saying inside their own minds. I just feel like it's very generous of him to share his more refined sensibilities around the, these things mm-hmm. with her. But also there's that like Vulcan exceptionalism of like, we know how to do everything. And if you don't do it our way, you're doing it the wrong way. It also feels like the giggle is the absolute worst form of emotion to show Tuvok because it's yeah. so childlike. Like he's he's like, I just sat for an hour teaching you how to play Monopoly and now you're like driving the car piece around. <laughs> Going vroom vroom. Like an idiot. Yeah. 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 So the training sesh is over and Cass shows up late to work in Six Bay where the EMH is, is pretty ticked off that she has been kind of focusing a lot more on her mental ability training than she has on her medical ability training. And that's just not going to wash with him. We understand from the last episode that Cass has the ability to go in to the doc's program and and reprogram him <laughs> with all manner of, of maladies. I wonder if Cass could program him to stop caring about her tardiness uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. how great that would be in the moment. Like, like she goes to her station and he's like really tearing into her about being late to work. And all of a sudden he just kind of twitches and, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, whenever you can make it, Cass, that would be fine by me. Like, I'm just really grateful that you're here at all. She pulls out her phone and there's a slider on the screen and it's chill vibes on one end and yeah. hard ass on the other and she like drags it from hard ass <laughs> toward chill vibes yeah i would like to see that i mean we know she has that kind of control over him a control that she does not choose to use in this moment because they're interrupted by this high frequency sound it sounds like a crt monitor or 20 crt monitors doing that little squeal that you need to uh. like turn them off and on to get rid of yeah, awful like sound want to hear the most annoying sound in the world Sound stimulating. Oh, I hated this noise. I was watching this episode with headphones. And yeah. Bad it, uh, headphones it, episode. It just shattered my molars listening to the fucking noise. I hated it so much. I was shocked that the source of this noise was the, the Banjo Man rock. Like, that seemed fairly expected. But that they keep the Banjo Man rock just in a storage locker in Six Bay... It's one of the only ships in the fleet that has a caretaker morgue right on board. I know. Is that a place for a dead body? It kind of seems like it could be. I yeah. mean, I don't. we didn't see how deep that thing goes, but it seemed like it was big enough to be like a slide a body in kind of an aperture anyways. Canonically, we know Starfleet stores their deads in torpedo tubes, but what my theory presupposes is the torpedo <laughs> casing comes in the size of the corpse. Oh, so you think they have little torpedoes for caretakers? Well, that's what I would have assumed, but they (laughs) didn't even give this caretaker rock a a proper 
burial. It's just hanging out. It's pretty rugged that they've just been traveling around with it. It's yeah. like, um, <laughs> what was that Joss Whedon movie where the bad guys like like chain dead bodies to the outside of their spaceships? That's that Serenity. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically what they should have done, right? Like, mount it like a hood ornament on the Voyager. Yeah, really <laughs> this, would this serve This guy stranded us, but we showed him. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is a, a moment significant enough to go to theme song. And after yeah. they break, it turns out that they're, they're getting life sign readings from the stone. Uh, they were getting those readings, and now nothing. And then they're back again. It's sort of that frustrating moving target of, is this thing alive, or is it getting... A communication from something alive? That's yeah. the mystery. My luck would be like we would have our caretaker corpse making the noise and then I would like call somebody in to take a look at it and they would come and they'd be like, sorry, like we can't, it doesn't seem to be anything wrong with your caretaker rock. It doesn't make any noise as far as we can tell. And I'd be like, fuck, I paid like 75 bucks for this guy to come out. I'm trying to tell you at like warp six, <laughs> the caretaker rock starts vibrating. <laughs> and look, I'm thinking if you just come out with me onto the freeway, I could probably replicate the situation. Sorry, we don't do that. <laughs> it is frustrating. But as time goes on, they realize that sporocystian life is communicating yeah. with it. Ben, you know it's sporocystian Life is that's that's banjoman life. That's banjoman life. That's five strings of life. Yeah, it's like a it's some kind of like resonant frequency. It seems like mm -hmm. it's not that this rock is coming back alive. It's that it's reacting to something that they are close to. The thinking is what they may be close to is the banjoman's partner. Yeah, and if that's and... true, the banjoman's partner is a real necrophile because banjoman's <laughs> dead. Yeah. What are you doing, Banjo Man's partner? You can't just dig up the Banjo Man rock and do whatever sick shit you want to do with it. Yeah, this isn't MacGruber. It's gross as hell. Uh, shoot. <laughs> Fucking shoot. The implications of this are immediately evident to Tuvok. He gives voice to the fact that this, uh, this could be their ticket home. And so up to the bridge, he and Janeway go, and down to engineering Kim and BLT go with the rock. And uh, they make something that I would like to call a corpse compass, <laughs> which uh, suspends this rock in some kind of field and then like helps them figure out the directionality of the signal that is causing it to make the annoying noise. It's interesting how little anyone discusses the idea of the rock being the remains of a thing. Like, this is very clearly... Turn from that into a device. And it's a device that they've set up right next to the warp core because that's Star Trek law. Like, yeah, we got to place yeah. this thing in proximity to our most sensitive place on the ship. I was ready for this to turn into a weekend at Banjo Man's <laughs> comedy episode where they had to convince the female caretaker that it yeah. was alive and like prop it up and put sunglasses on it. Like, Oh yeah. He's just, he's just tired. <laughs> Tuvok tells Janeway, look, I know in the last scene, I, I was pretty hyped up. I'll admit it for a Vulcan hyped. 
is how I was yeah. feeling about the idea of finding uh, the caretaker's mate. But I got to tell you, the real reason I was so excited is because I want a chance to kill the caretaker's wife. <laughs> All I need is a little bit of time to figure out how best to do that. We've got a great hood ornament here, and I just want to add to that success by wasting the other one. I do not want our pants pulled down against a caretaker-like being like they, like it, like they were in the pilot episode. No thanks. Yeah. yeah. So he has uh, he's actually got an idea for a toxin, something that would debilitate the other sporocystian. And so he gets permission from the captain to create this weapon. And uh, he's off the bridge. They get the, the coordinates for where they're heading, and they are off. Maximum warp. Yeah, that's pretty fast. We're in it, baby. And what they find is a station, a, a space station that looks very much like the space station from the Caretaker episode. Kim says it's a tenth of the size of that station, but that's just because he's measuring from the base. Yeah, you got to do measure from the asshole and uh, just past the tip of the space station. Not only that, what's unique about this station is that they're picking up a bunch of Ocampa life signs over there. Ocampa life signs, and he like has to like double check the math on this. But uh, he confirms it, and they're pretty excited by this information. And they uh, throw him a hail, and uh, Gary Graham, the <laughs> lead actor from Robot Jocks. I can't read, but I'm not dumb. Don't pull that shit on me. Gets on the FaceTime and starts licking shots in them, and then tells them to fuck off. <laughs> Those shots barely miss Neelix's shuttle, which has departed as soon as he heard that there were literally hundreds of Okapa over there <laughs> on the other station. Yeah. You're right yeah. about Gary Graham, Ben. I He looks so much like Hugo Weaving to me. Like, oh. he really throws those Agent Smith vibes on this initial FaceTime specifically, but also, like, yeah. in subsequent hangs with him. He I really totally brings that, that kind of intensity. He sure does. So they get shot a bunch of times, and they're like, okay, let's get Kess up here, and maybe she can hail them, and maybe they'll listen to her. There's some real showmanship in this second FaceTime, because yeah. Captain Janeway has Kess stand directly behind her, so she's not visible on screen when they first light it up. <laughs> this is the first scene of close-up magic, right? I have someone here who wishes to speak with you. It's the reveal. <laughs> we, too, have Ocampa. <laughs> This guy is shocked. It's like the first trick you see at the magic castle. You're just like, what? And then the magic just keeps happening. Yeah, you can't turn off the magic at this point. <laughs> Tannis has that vibe that's like, wow, I was really wrong about you guys. Uh, really psyched to know you. And yeah. Kes is like, well, uh, I would love to know you better. How about me and a couple of my buddies over here beam over to your station. And he's like, no, mm, I have not picked up at all. Was not expecting guests. That would be a bad idea. The budget for this episode is not exactly high enough to show the inside of the space station. Let me just outstretch my arms to either side of me and also like swing them above and below the frame. This is how much of this set we have built. <laughs> this area here so yeah, it would be yeah. really a lot better for me if i could come over there instead it's like that commercial like i feel like it's like a lysol commercial or something where the dad is on facetime with his kids and the mom is on a work trip and then it cuts to the wide shot and it shows that he has cleaned 
like a rectangle on the wall of the kitchen and the rest of the kitchen is just like yeah. covered in ragu. <laughs> Did you ever have the friend that uh, like was like you never saw their house or where they live? They always came over like like the, the hang was never at their place. Yeah. Yeah. I was that kid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I always went elsewhere. Man. Did you ever have to do a FaceTime where you just cleaned up a part of the of the room? <laughs> Had FaceTime been a thing at that at, at that moment in time? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely I would. So, so very exciting Ocampa meeting Ocampa and what better way to celebrate an exciting moment like this than a McLaughlin group? If you want. It seems like Kess may be spoiling for a companionship <laughs> with mm. her people, huh? <laughs> Adam, we've been on the Voyager for a season and a half now to ship with Starfleets and Maquis, Mm -hmm. often in the same room with each other. Yeah. Now they're in the room with Maquis. The actor that played Maquis in the episode about Maquis is in this scene. That's incredible. (laughs) I can't believe it. I didn't believe it when you told me. Turns out it's true. It's true. It's the truth. It's the triple truth, Ruth. Wow. He's just there to be a bummer. Your ship is known as a ship of death. Yeah. I mean, talk about being typecast. And these are Ocampa that are there to give Janeway some pretty bad news about the rep that the Voyager has made for itself in the D-Quad. Not exactly putting their best foot forward as far as like representing Starfleet to all of these alien cultures. It's especially bad feeling when you go around the quadrant feeling like everyone's happy to see you and then realize in retrospect, none of that has been true. This is a nightmare of mine. Yeah. Like the idea that like people aren't being real with me and actually hate my guts. They actually list out all the reasons that they're disliked in the quadrant. Like they killed the caretaker and they went to war with the Kazon. And they have Neelix around. <laughs> Janeway is, takes great umbrage with this. She does not yeah. like that this reputation has preceded them. Yeah. We've been trying to get rid of Neelix for a season and a half. <laughs> we keep sending him on away missions and we haven't gotten lucky yet, but I believe we will. But Tannis yeah. doesn't want to hear it. And, yeah. uh, and he starts mind beaming messages into Cass's head. Saying he just wants to talk to her privately and he wants to stand her up in a broom closet. <laughs> yeah. Is oh. it a locker or is it a broom closet? Did I get that wrong? I think it's just a closet, but I like broom closet. It's a little more specific, you know? Yeah. I do too. I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, you got to get the brooms out of there first, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of a thing, kind of a process. Men are always deferring emotional work to women. And uh, the awkward thing of like, hey, could everybody but me and him leave mm. is something that he, he kind of foists onto Kess as her job for some reason. Captain, I'd like to speak to Tennis alone, if I may. And so everyone clears out and she learns a little bit more about this dude. This is step one of of cult leader behavior, right? Separate the person from their friends and family. Get them alone. Yeah. And he's trying, she's trying to like rep the voyage. Like she's trying to clear up the misconceptions about the Voyager. She's like, no, like I know these guys. They're not the ship of death that you think they are. They they uh, are the ship of Neelix. I will give you that. (laughs) I am the girlfriend of Neelix and I'm for some reason going to give you that as well. 
But she's really curious. She really wants to know more about, like, I mean, she didn't know that there were Okampa this far out. Like, she kind of thought they were all there on that planet that she came from. She wants to see this space station. And he's like, no, no, seriously, the budget is not going to allow for that. Space Station is way too nice. This is a very data-like storyline unfolding here. The idea that you can suspend your feelings of danger to do a thing if doing that thing means feeling less alone in the universe, right? Right. Kess thought that her time with Ocampens was over, and it's not, and so now she's ready for some risk-taking behavior. Yeah, and uh, she's also ready to just kind of like be open with him. Like she wants to, she wants to show him what her life is like here. And she takes him down to the hydroponics bay, one of her big projects, where they're growing the food that they use to feed the Voyager crew. And he's very complimentary of it. I was very complimentary of this complex camera move here. This is a tricky move. You're right. Yeah, I think it. I think it starts with a single and then it widens out and then it pops up and over some of these planter boxes and then back down again and catches the sequence as they're walking through them on the other side. Like it it feels super complex and I'm not quite sure exactly how they did it. It's got to be a crane shot of some kind, but it, yeah, it does a really great job of making the space feel really big and, and yeah. real yeah. and not just like a green screen that they're standing in front of or something. Yeah. There's a couple of pretty amazing revelations in this scene. The first, this guy is an old compa. He's 14 years old. Too yeah. old. Second is that he has the power to make plants grow with his mind. My vines have a crush on you. It's like, take a look at what I can do to this bush. <laughs> Am I going to use this power for good <laughs> or evil? Yeah. The vibe here is as wrong of a choice as it was for Kess to laugh at Tuvok in that earlier scene. Yeah. Tannis kind of laughs at Kess in this scene and, and at her perceived naivete, you know? Yeah. Like, he's very condescending to her in a way that only it, amplifies his power. Yeah. there. Like, I feel like there's a lot of aliens in Star Trek that speak to a human and say, we were once as you are now. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting to see a different kind of alien saying this to a different kind of alien. Right. He's friends with Banjo Lady. Yeah. Suspiria. She has a name. She has a name. She is a, a real different vibe from Banjo Man. He doesn't really care for how Banjo Man treated the Okampa that stayed on the planet. Suspiria really let them go sick with their abilities, and that's that's why he's able to do all these brain tricks. Right, and in describing Suspiria in this way, Tannis aligns himself with Suspiria that makes him pretty powerful in this moment. Like, we meet him as a more powerful version of Kes, but now that, that his alignment is with the end boss, yeah. you're made to feel fearful for Kes in this moment. At least I was. Yeah. And he's yeah. got that resting confidence face that is like seductive too. It's not just his psionic power. It's it's everything about him. He's got like 80s movie villain leverage. Like he knows he's invulnerable in this moment. You Look want Suspiria? I can get you Suspiria. You want your bush to grow? I can do that too. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? 
I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Afterwards, Janeway and Tuvok are really proud of Kess for making this connection. She's sort of given them the report on this guy. But Kess seems to be in description and in feeling like 
she's in deeper water than she expected to find herself. Yeah, Janeway is like, hey, this is great, and I'm really glad you're able to like make contact with this dude, but I also want you to be pretty careful because we don't... We don't know his deal. Yeah. And as this is being discussed, we cut back to the space station. This is the, I think the one scene we get where it's set on the space station. And after he busted Kess's chops for how like cold and sterile the (laughs) Voyager appeared to be to him. Part of me weeps to see you in this place. He thinks the Okampa doth protest too much <laughs> because this fucking space station is 10 out of 10 cold and sterile. And yeah. uh, it's just a scene of him communing with Suspiria about how they're going to divide the spoils of this encounter. He's going to get the girl. Suspiria is going to get the ship. It's a real like Vigo and Ghostbusters 2 moment, right? Because Vigo's like, you can do whatever you want with Sigourney Weaver, Weasley art museum guy. Like, <laughs> I'm after the baby. Like, yeah. Cass uh, has been made to be just collateral damage in yeah. Suspiria's main plan. Did you read who did the voice of Suspiria? No. Majel Barrett. What? Yeah. Bring me the ship. Is that who's doing the opening credit thing wow all right we'll put a third voting box on the poll because she's kind of doing a voice for suspiria and i don't really think she's doing a voice in the last time on no no but uh you know history is written by the winners Mm -hmm. and you Mm got to believe like in the long game of star trek maybe suspiria (laughs) came out on top and we're all watching this unfold from suspiria's point of view yeah maybe so we get a real Star Trek six dinner scene uh, <laughs> with the Okampa coming coming to dinner on Starship Voyager. I offer a toast, the undiscovered country. My favorite moment here is Neelix praising the meal that he obviously prepared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does any does anybody else think this is great? <laughs> this soup, my word. Really nailed how picant it is. <laughs> yeah, they explain that uh, that banjo lady does not take the form of a banjo man or even a glob of goo the way banjo man sometimes would. She exists as pure sporocystian energy, and she only kind of com- becomes corporeal in certain circumstances. But Kes is definitely going to get to meet her. If she stays with them. And this is kind of the conversational bomb that drops in the middle of the dinner table. If you're a viewer of Greatest Gen for any amount of time, you know what being a being of pure energy means. I'm turning into pure energy! Why is it taking so long? means that uh, Suspiria has got to be feeling some very pleasurable... (laughs) Very pleasurable vibes. Yeah, yeah. Suspiria is constantly nutting. Yeah. Uh, Tannis offers to take the group to meet Suspiria. And also, by the way, Kes can stay forever if she wants. And mm-hmm. the spit take that Neelix has here is really, really something. Really great work by Ethan Phillips. Yeah, really tremendous work. They finish this dinner and uh, the next scene is down in engineering where they still have the corpse compass rigged up. And I like, 
I was like really surprised in this moment because so much has happened in this episode by this point that I was like, oh, fuck, the corpse compass. Yeah. Like, are they going to like remit the remains <laughs> of the caretaker to Suspiria when they meet? Like, I, That would be a nice thing to do. It would be a nice thing to do. Like, I kind of feel like that scene where they're like putting the cardboard box with human remains on into the belly of the airplane yeah. as somebody heads home from a vacation where their partner died like this would be kind of an intense moment and i was like is that what what we're writing toward is like is like dealing with the grief of a being of pure energy the idea of that really excited me this moment reignited my intrigue like this episode had me up to this point and then i was like oh man like I may have misread this episode entirely, and it's like about something totally different than what I thought it was about. Pretty difficult eulogy to give, though, right? Like, how do you eulogize an all-powerful being that you just met, don't really know yeah. very well, and yeah, I was also yeah. responsible for flinging you across the galaxy? <laughs> it's tough. Wow. Banjo-Man. What is there to say about Banjo-Man? What isn't there to say about <laughs> Banjo-Man? <laughs> That hasn't already been said. I feel like uh, my thoughts about Benjamin could be described in one word. Infinite. <laughs> it winds up being more like that scene in The American where George Clooney builds that amazing gun. <laughs> uh, Do Duvac you think is this is here. an amazing gun? I think this is a cartoonishly crazy looking syringe gun. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's it like a giant like, syringe. It looks like how you impregnate cattle. <laughs> it does it does um tuvok's been kicked out of the coach role at kess's uh mind development academy and instead now tanis is here to teach her how to use her mind fingers how to use her mind fire to me there wasn't enough of this conflict like i like tuvok versus tanis here and and the 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 sort of jealousy that we see from Tuvok. This right. cool substitute teacher has got his his star pupil. Right. Yeah, and jealousy that's given voice to back in that dinner, like mm -hmm. your mental powers are like really advanced compared to mine and like what's that all about? Mm -hmm. And we start to see some of the like ethos of this and it, I think it's easy to compare this to the force. Don't think about creating the fire. Just use it. And yet, I think it's like more specific than the force, like almost immediately. <laughs> because, because like her powers are like, uh, what if Jedi, but waitress? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like what if you called the server over to your table and said, I'm sorry, this, uh, you put this down a minute ago and it's just, it's not hot. It feels like it was like on the, in the window for too long and she says try it again do you still think it's not hot <laughs> tanis is like i'm dipping my nose into this coffee and it's like you can just tell it's not hot why would you stick your nose because in a cup i want of to prove to you that it's called coffee this coffee is not acceptable and also a warrior would never let the table at his coffee shop tilt it kind of broke the spell here because tanis is like uh can i freshen that up for you and she's like what He's like, can I freshen that up for you? She's like, oh, I see. <laughs> and then she starts freshening up her own coffee without using her hands. Yeah. And you see at a molecular level what freshened up coffee looks like. Yeah. 
watching the molecules go crazy. Yeah. That's a pretty fun effect. Yeah, they did a good job with this. Imagine a coffee cup that could keep coffee hot and a bathroom at a coffee shop that did not allow pooping. <laughs> I'm just trying to sell t-shirts at I know. <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> just as good of a job almost as Neelix is in being supportive and not jealous. He's proud of Kess in this moment for freshening up her own coffee. The jealousy shoe is really on the other foot because it's on Tuvok and not Neelix in it, in this episode in a way that I found very interesting. I'll tell you why. It's less work for Neelix if Kess can, can freshen up the coffee in the mess hall without having to yeah. walk around to all the tables. And, and Neelix is not constantly causing dangerous, life-threatening fires with his fucking open flames everywhere. Yeah, this is a big, big positive for the yeah. restaurant. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. She uh, wants Neelix to move in with her on the station. She's really given some serious thought to living permanently among these exocampa. I love how game Neelix is for this completely omitting the fact that he was not invited. This is like getting invited to a party secondhand. Like, I'm sure I'm sure it's fine if you go. <laughs> Why don't you just come it's with? Not gonna be, it's not going to be weird if I... No, no, it's fine. And then you get there and it's clearly like there are eight seats and you're the ninth person. Oh, Neelix, I didn't realize you were coming. Um, I'm going to cut one of these fillets in half. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. Pretty awkward. I'm pretty sure we have another table setting somewhere. <laughs> Voyager arrives at the meeting place, which is behind the chain link fence next to the parking lot of the high school in this part of the galaxy. And they're waiting. Yeah. It's going to be a long wait. They they transmit the signal to let Suspiria know that they're there. And Dennis is like, cool. Well, uh, this could take up to 47 hours. I'll be in my quarters. How upset would you be if someone you had just met just sits down at your computer and does a little bit of your job before leaving suddenly? What Tannis does to Tuvok here is pull down his pants in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. And, and Tannis like, essentially walks up to Tuvok's station and says, is that a big kahuna burger? I hear they got some tasty burger. You know... I love a good burger. My girlfriend is vegetarian, so I barely ever get to eat them. But I have heard that that is a good burger. Do you mind if I try that? You do. Do you mind if I wash this down with a bit of your soda? You just know that Tannis has left fingerprints all over that panel. <laughs> Infuriating Tuvok. Yeah. Such a powerful move. An even more powerful move is the way Tannis is lording his skills over Tuvok from a distance in the next scene mm -hmm. because Kess excitedly shows Tuvok her coffee boiling skills and Tannis is not there. She's just saying like, hey, look what I can do. I mean, like you've been training me for months and I was like kind of hearing the things that was happening inside Neelix's head, but check this out. Tannis has shown me the next level. Kess accidentally freshens up Tuvok's face and brain <laughs> in a very disgusting way. There's coffee in Tuvok. Okay, I have a question here. So there's a very like Stuart Gordon B sci-fi horror special effect of Tuvok's face looking like it's boiling off. Uh-huh. But also there's the 
ECU of the molecules in the coffee going crazy, and then they turn green. Uh huh. Are we meant to believe that that's a crossfade to Tuvok's green Vulcan blood? I was not thinking about that at the time, but now it has to be it. <laughs> that has to be what we're seeing. Why didn't something in like the corner of the room also just like light on fire? This moment was so gross. It's nasty as I th- hell. I think I'm putting it scary. on Mount Grossmore. Like, I think this belongs on the mountain of grossest things I've seen in Star Trek. <laughs> it was traumatizing. It's really nasty, and, and Kes is terrified. Yeah. She's like a, a, a horror film scream queen here. Great scream. Great scream. Fortunately, Tuvok's face is, is already repaired by the time we see it next. The doc has some extra Ensign Kim dick skin. Just uh, <laughs> patches and Remarkably back rich in, uh, in stem cells. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We, we just happened to have it on hand. Tuvok almost died totally gruesomely. And we're just meant to, in the very next scene, recover from that almost instantly, almost as instantly as Tuvok has. He's like ready to go back to work. Don't you think they should be like throwing Tannis in the brig until they can figure out what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> After this? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's smart. It just seems it just seems nuts that they're just like, okay, well, anyways, let's just keep waiting. Tuvok is the dad that taught his daughter how to drive, and she wrecked the car with him in it. He was thrown from the vehicle into a tree, a tree that tore his face off. (laughs) He's just had reconstructive surgery and has been put back together by the doctor and is ready to go out driving again with Kiss. Yeah. He is so forgiving. Unbelievable. He's uh, he's already scheduling their next driving lesson in the parking lot of the local rec center (laughs) it's a good thing he's so forgiving when awful things happen to him yeah it's an amazing flex but uh she gets a a driving lesson from the bad boy of the bad boy of sears driving lessons (laughs) (laughs) she gets that one first down in the hydroponics bay and he teaches her how to like really let the fire go and in this scene (laughs) She burns the hydroponics bay to the ground. I think they telegraph this moment when Tannis asks Kes about how Tuvok is, but not in a way that shows any real concern. <laughs> yeah. So how is the, how's the, your dad that was thrown free from the automobile? Yeah. A little I mean, flat with the affect there. It's a real mask off moment for Tannis because he's basically saying like life and death of things aside from Ocampa is not something that Kes should worry herself about, like at the expense of all other things, no matter what, she should work on advancing the powers of her own mind. And he really comes off as an Ocampa supremacist. Yeah, really does. But it doesn't not look enjoyable to Kes. She yeah. has kind of a, a fiery orgasm at the end of this scene. Yeah, she and, busts uh, a fire nut. Yeah. She's in, not in ecstasy, but in exosia. Yeah. I mean, this grooming is working. It's really working. But the hydroponics bay is not working any longer, and she feels really bad about that. She killed all their food, Adam. Yeah. This should be a bigger disaster, right? Completely agree. 
But I think Neelix and and Cass are already looking at the next step of like moving off the ship, not really really their problem anymore. Right. <laughs> Maybe they have like a temporary replicator ration bump because of getting that special mineral that they needed to get in the last episode? Oh, maybe so, yeah. They're like, don't worry, we can afford to restock the hydroponics bay at our next planet. So Suspiria approaches, and BLT is growing a bit concerned with what they're reading on the sensors. She should be more concerned about what's happening behind her back, where tentacles appear to have entered the ship. Yeah, up on the bridge, Ensign Kim says he's picking up some hentai in the engineering section. Yeah. And uh, they radio down there and they don't get any response. Uh oh. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. We cut to Kess and she's alone in a darkened mess hall. And you know, Tannis has felt her presence. He walks in and assumes that she's going to come with him. And. We cross-cut to engineering a few times, like between Kess and Tannis and engineering, and things have gone bad in engineering, but you can't really see why, right? Right. Like You, you hear, don't get to see the female caretaker that everybody is talking about. And I like this. I like that they're, they're hiding this from us at this moment. Yeah. It's like Jaws. You don't get to see the shark till the end. Kess is starting to feel some extreme feelings right now. She can hear all these nearby Ocampa, but she's having a hard time hearing Suspiria. When she finally does, all she senses is Suspiria's rage, and it is terrifying to her. And a uh, pretty bad moment for Neelix to pop out with the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> canapes, anyone? Are those Valerian canapes? Admiral the chef. In engineering, Captain Janeway is explaining to Suspiria the plot of the pilot episode of Star Trek Voyager, and, and she's talking to, to Suspiria's form, which is this little blonde girl. A creepy little blonde girl in a dress. It's like one of the things Star Trek Voyager does really well, is that. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's the imaginary friend has come to pay a visit to uh, to Starship Voyager. I was going to protect you, Clara. I liked you. But now I don't care. It's not Banjo Lady, it's Banjo Girl. Yeah. She's pissed about the death of the caretaker. She blames it on Starship Voyager in this way that is like, fuck, this is frustrating. Like, I, I hate that this, like, super advanced alien being that is supposed to be this like you know like they're so scared of it going in they're so worried that that it's like so much more advanced than they are but they're also like they're tantalized by the power because the power could potentially send them home and that temptation overcomes their fear and then they get and meet her and she's fucking stupid as hell i was just gonna say that like there's no way a being this powerful and ageless could be this dumb could have gotten the story wrong this wrong like you represent yourself as a child and then you also have the mentality of a child you're like using your mind to hurt janeway because you feel revenge what does it mean it means omata it means rewenge give me a break suspiria in an episode that made the choice to boil Tuvok's brains inside his skull, we tilt up and see the source of the rain of blood that's coming down 
in the room are the suspended bodies. Tuvok and BLT are up there. Yeah. They're doing that thing. Ordinarily, like uh, horror film law stipulates that blood coming out of your mouth means you're going to die. Yeah. So I was having some bad feelings about them here. This is cross-cutting back to Neelix's restaurant where Tannis is like really putting the hard sell to Cass about abandoning her ship. And Neelix starts to intervene and gets force-checked across the room. Great cable pull on the Neelix stunt double here. Nice work. Really great cable pull. He really flies. Yeah, and it looks scary. And this all kind of feels like it was set up in that last scene where Tannis was saying, like, no life matters to us aside from Caretaker and Ocampa. And now Kess is, like, realizing that this guy is uh, this guy is much more of a villain than she anticipated. Luckily, she's able to freshen up Tannis. Yeah. And takes him down to the ground with the mind boil. She could boil him. Yeah. But he can't boil her. It's, it, somehow she is more potent than he is. And... His being boiled seems to splash over onto Suspiria. We, mm-hmm. we catch her in engineering. She's doubled over. He's got blood coming out of his eyes and mouth. Yeah. It's nasty shit. Not a good look. Janeway stops floating. BLT and Tuvok fall out of the sky as well. And Janeway has picked up the cow cum delivery system <laughs> and <laughs> fires it at Suspiria. And they uh, they erect a force field, and now she's stuck in the Shimoda corner of Voyager. Incredible! How did you do that? And Janeway explains, we are not here to hurt anyone. Your man, who I will remind you, you <laughs> abandoned hundreds of years ago and have not checked in on. Yeah, you're no saint here either, Suspiria. Did not die at our hands. He died of natural causes, and he fucking sucked us into this stupid quadrant looking for... DNA that he could use to reproduce. He's clearly been, been sick for a while. It would have been great if you were around for that. Yeah. Why didn't you go visit from time to time? What's the harm in sending a postcard every so often? I guess only you know that all-powerful being of pure energy. So after this explanation, Janeway lays down her cow impregnation device <laughs> and tells Tuvok to lower the force field. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. And the creepy little blonde girl is stunned to be shown mercy at a time like this. Yeah, she kind of turns into a a purple millipede. (laughs) Crawls through the ceiling. It's gross as hell. The morph effect on on the little girl is really upsetting because they got her to like open her mouth. Yeah. In the the clip and then had some of the tentacles like come out of it. It's nasty. Nasty stuff. When Tannis comes to and gets beamed away and Tuvok says, you know, they gone. <laughs> we get a, an uncentered angle on the glass canister. And those cremains are gone too, Ben. The rocks disappeared. Damn. I didn't even notice that, but you're right. How about that? They don't have the corpse compass anymore. How are they supposed to get around now? How are they going to find their way? Going to need to find another corpse. Suspiria is gone without having helped create a method by which Voyager could get home. Big disappointment. We get a a captain's log about how Janeway is rededicating herself to finding Suspiria at all costs. Mm -hmm. Then we end with a button where we go back to mind lessons with Tuvok and Kess. She has lost her ability to boil shit with her head. That's too bad. Like, you're just... In the mess hall, you're not going to drink that 
lukewarm coffee. You could yeah. really use a warm up. She's like, I guess I'll just use the microwave. Like you idiots. Fuck. Could really use some freshen up to this coffee. Hmm. Hmm. He says something to her in this scene that you could really like paraphrase something my my therapist has said to me. Like uh, she's like, I had these like horrible violent thoughts and I like killed all those plants in the hydroponics bay. And he's like, yeah, everyone does. It's fine. Everyone kills plants, Cass. Get over it. Yeah. Especially if they're gifts and you weren't expecting to get them. I, you I don't kill, know like how much light they need. I kill that which is my orchids all the time. <laughs> Back to the mind meld and on into credits, Adam. Yeah. Did you like this episode? What a weird episode, Ben. What a weird, gross episode. <laughs> I was thrilled at the idea of meeting a, a Banjo-Man-adjacent being. Yeah. I was just as hopeful that maybe this person would offer some help, at least kick him down the road a little bit further. Yeah. That was never on the table. And I thought it was so interesting that like when face-to-face... Janeway only defends their reputation. She does not turn that into a moment to ask anything. Yeah. But I think if you've got Suspiria behind the force field, you got to mention the far from home and the need to get back. And maybe you could just snap your fingers and on and on. Like, right. That was a missed opportunity for Janeway for sure. And I wonder to what extent she's, she's got to be regretting that. I kind of think it's a missed opportunity as an episode because yeah. that moment comes and goes without Janeway stating her greatest character need to the character with the most power to help her of any we've met so far. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know, like I think that in earlier Star Trek, Suspiria would not have been dumb and vengeful. Suspiria would have been wise in a way that is unfathomable or something Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. like would have made a decision like that maybe we don't understand or that doesn't help in the specific way we want but would suggest something about the limitations of human perception or something like that and the fact that Suspiria is as childish as she presents I felt like was a really disappointing angle for the script to take it defanged how much fear you you could have in that moment, right? Because how much scarier is the idea of an antagonist who has thought it through and is hyper-intelligent and And is methodically planning out how to deal with you versus versus a child in manner and in in visual acting childlike? If she knew more than the Voyager crew, not less, it would have felt like a much bigger and more momentous episode in a way that I think they were trying to set this up as feeling like. Like, I don't think you do that pre-roll if you're not setting this up as being a big deal. And we're back to one at the end of this episode. It might might as well not have happened. The one thing we get coming out of here that doesn't exactly square up with that, I believe, is that Kess is now a super being. And potentially a deus ex machina. Yeah, right. Going forward, and I wonder to what extent that ends up being true. Yeah, but I feel like that's a seed that was planted a long time ago, and they cultivate that a lot in this episode, but it could have been cultivated in a way that was less 
frustrating overall. I think she's going to be freshening up a lot of episodes going forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, Adam, one thing that freshens up the podcast every week is the Priority One inbox. You want to head over there and see what we got? Oh, I'm on my way. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. The first message we have here is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. We started listening to this awesome pod way after it started, but find ourselves quickly approaching real time. Season 7, episode 10, DS9. Wow. I'm sending this. Oh, wow. So this was sent as of season 7, episode 10 of DS9, and we're already way into Voyager. That was so long Uh, ago. I know. I'm sending this as a promotional message both to promote my awesome husband, Jartod, not his real first name, for being awesome, and also because after all this time, I figure we should double the scarves. By the time we hear this P1, I'm hoping we're watching live. If this airs in August 2021, then happy anniversary to my darling Wesley, his actual middle name. If not, I blame Ben. Damn! I don't make the schedule. The schedule is first come, first serve. This is is like a a P1 message in a bottle. Yeah. But this is August. We're in in August for this message. We are. So it worked. uh, Yeah. So don't don't blame me. I voted for Ben. (laughs) Oh, that's going to be very divisive, Ben. The call to action here is, listen up, Jartod. Yeah, Jartod Wesley. About that. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Jarded? Who jarded? (laughs) Ben, our second priority one message is from Kalamini, question mark, and it's to anybody. (laughs) Message goes like this. Quote, but why would I call him that when he's such a nice guy? Hashtag no regrets. And... Look, I've been instructed to say this in my best space, Irish. I don't think I have that gear. I don't have that impression gear in me, do you? But why would I call him that when he's such a nice guy? But why would I call him that when he's such a nice guy? Oh, because call him that. Call him. Call him meanie. Oh, yeah. But why would I call him that when he's such a nice guy? I feel like you have to hear that one to get it. Yeah. <laughs> God, we tried. We really tried, Kalamini. Question yeah, mark. Thanks, thanks, thanks for supporting the show. I think this is the first time we've had a uh, an actor from Star Trek send a P1. Hey, That's that, pretty exciting. Very exciting. Very cool. You're not a meanie. You're a nice guy. <laughs> anyway, our last P1 is from past Aaron, and it's to present Aaron. Goes like this. 2020 was wild. You finished your master's, moved 800 miles from everyone you knew, started a career, and fell in love. You probably wouldn't have made it through this apocalyptic year without the greatest gen. Even now, as you make space for your girlfriend to move in, you're already on your second viewing. So maybe Ben and Adam deserve a few scarves. Wow. Thank you, past Aaron. Jeez, thanks. Thanks, present Aaron. Sounds like present Aaron went through it all. Yeah, listened to all episodes everywhere and then started and listened again. Yeah, that's a lot. Amazing. It's a lot to take on. 
Maybe maybe present Aaron drove all 800 miles, and that's what gave them the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. uh, congrats on the new career and the new love and the shiny new degree and the new town. All of this sounds awesome. Yeah. A new start. And, uh, and, and you know, 800 miles is not an, uh, an unpassable distance. Your friends will come visit you, and you'll visit them. Of course. Always happens. Yeah. Well, another thing that always happens is people going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and getting Priority One messages for the show. We really, really appreciate it. It helps support the production of this program. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Shimoda. I think this is going to be an achievement in acting a lot like the Shimoda we gave to Robert Beltran in the last episode. Mm. Yeah. Tim Russ and the take when uh, he gets freshened up. Big fun. <laughs> big, big, big 10 out of 10 fun. And I think for an actor whose efforts are mostly confined to suppressing, you know, the big moment, the big act. Yeah. Had to feel so great. To just explode for a 10 out of 10 here. Absolutely. Uh, I love that moment. It was the centerpiece of shocking moments for me in the <laughs> app. Uh, I, I have to give him the respect of a Shimoda here. Yeah, that ruled. Um, my Shimoda is Suspiria. I feel like she is the chaos agent and also just acting the dumbest. Yeah. Which is not like Shimoda's not acting dumb. He's acting drunk, but mm-hmm. like. I think that something must be going on with Suspiria that she views the the world through this ridiculously narrow lens. Yeah. Kind of a bad all-powerful being. She sucks. Hey, here's a here's a take. Most all-powerful beings suck. Maybe all of them. <laughs> Not yeah. a fan of all-powerful beings. Yeah. There's one all-powerful being that we really love on this show and all of the rest of them can take a fucking hike yeah agreed greatest gen is a monotheistic podcast and everyone knows it (laughs) (laughs) we believe in kevin alone yeah (laughs) well adam the next episode is season two episode 11 maneuvers (laughs) (laughs) the theft of a transporter module by kazon forces thrusts chakotay into an explosive confrontation with his traitorous former (laughs) <laughs> that's where the description ends oh really with that's his traitorous former ends. yeah well former something I'm ready for the Kazon again yeah bring back the Kazon but we've got to come up with the way in which we will be watching the next episode for that we turn to the game of buttholes the will of the caretaker at gach.biz slash game Our runabout is currently on square nine, right on the doorstep of a caretaker, which could rocket us to any part of the board. And and not too distant beyond that is a Coco No-No square, which we could hit. Yeah, getting close to some stuff. I've got the die in my hand. I'm going to roll it. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Wish me luck, buddy. Good luck. Chula! 
Did I win? Hardly. I rolled a two, narrowly jumping over the caretaker, but coming just short of that Coco no-no. You never want to come between an old man and a tiki drink, and that's where the <laughs> runabout is right now. Yeah. Yeah, very real rock and a hard place situation for the runabout, but yeah. it's a regular old episode for the greatest generation next week. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Well, this episode, like every episode, was made possible by uh, the friends of DeSoto who support the show by going to maximumfund.org slash join. That it's monthly true. support keeps this train going. Yeah, it does. And keeps all of the projects we are working on going. Uh, if you like this and would like more Ben and Adam Star Trek content, why don't you give The Greatest Discovery a try? We are about to start reviewing episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. That's right. It's coming back. It's coming back in a big way. And I think my guess is that we will just be like full-time weekly episodes for the foreseeable future, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to be hitting it pretty hard on the greatest discovery i don't think this is a controversial statement to say i think lower decks probably the most accessible of the new star trek shows to a greatest gen viewer i think oh yeah i i would be shocked if you did not really enjoy that show if you like greatest gen yeah it's a really it's a really fun show um very appealing to us and uh, I think it would be very appealing to you and then you could hear us talk about it after it comes out that's really the point week. right to get more of us get more of Ben and Adam in your life uh, thanks to everybody that uh, supports the show and recommends the show and that. thanks to Adam Ragusea for making the theme song thanks to Dark Materia for letting us use the Picard song Thanks to our card daddy, Bill Tilly, for being our social media director and running the Greatest Trek social media accounts at Greatest Trek on Twitter and Instagram and also on Twitch, where Adam and I have been uh, live streaming from time to time. That's right. Get in there. Get, go enjoy all of the things. Yeah, make a, make a friend of DeSoto. And with that, we'll be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that the the description just ends right there. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.